but I've gotten such a huge revelation in this last season about how God really wants us to prosper. And there's this whole thing about a prosperity gospel. It's not a prosperity gospel, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just going to go there, guys. We're going to get controversial just right off the top because to me, when I look at the Bible and I look at the cross, I'm like, it's literally a plus sign. <laughs> like, we literally go from a negative to a positive. We come out of sin into righteousness. We come out of darkness into light. We come out of pain into healing. Everything about the gospel and the kingdom of heaven, we are meant to prosper. And I think where it gets tainted is people manipulate and use scripture in you know selfish ways, unhealthy ways. But the, the point is, is we are meant to prosper in our soul, in our body, in our spirit, in our minds, in our health, and financially. What does it look like to wildly pursue the one who made you, called you, positioned you, and propels you? This podcast represents the Esters and the Azers on the rise. The ones breaking free from societal and religious norms in order to recklessly pursue God's beauty and glory while basking in the wonder of His creativity and wisdom. This is a belonging, a sisterhood, a table. Actually, it's a pool float, a palm tree, and a charcuterie. That's how these friendships came to life anyway. So grab your favorite suit and jump on in. The water's warm. And we've got tons to chat about. From business to family. Wealth creation. Maybe some political banter. And of course, a whole lot of Jesus. Welcome to Girls Gone Holy, where you are free to be wild in Him. All right, welcome back to the Girls Gone Holy podcast. We have an amazing episode and conversation that we want to have with you today, really about building wealth. And I want to open up with this scripture here. It's in Proverbs 14.1, and it says, the wise woman builds her house. Now I'm reading this out of the Amplified. So in parentheses, it says, the wise woman builds her house on a foundation of godly precepts and her household thrives. But the foolish one who lacks spiritual insight tears it down with her own hands by ignoring godly principles. And we really wanted to open up this conversation today because we are women and we are builders. And so what are you building? And we're going to talk about Really how one of the ways that you can build outside of, you know, building people up with your words, building, you know, your personal brand, building literally people for those of us that have had children, <laughs> right? Um, we're women are builders, but today we really want to talk about how we can build wealth because, you know, as godly kingdom women, what I love in this scripture, it says how wise women build her house on a foundation of godly precepts and her household thrives. We are meant to thrive. We're meant to thrive financially. And um, I've gotten such a huge revelation in this last season. Um, I'll just open this up here, girls. But I've gotten such a huge revelation in this last season about how God really wants us to prosper. And there's this whole thing about a prosperity gospel. It's not a prosperity gospel, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just going to go there, guys. We're going to get controversial just right off the top because to me, when I look at the Bible and I look at the cross, I'm like, it's literally a plus sign. <laughs> like we literally go from a negative to a positive. We come out of sin 
into righteousness. We come out of darkness into light. We come out of pain into healing. Everything about the gospel and the kingdom of heaven, we are meant to prosper. And I think where it gets tainted is people manipulate and use scripture in you know selfish ways, unhealthy ways. But the the point is, is we are meant to prosper in our soul, in our body, in our spirit, in our minds, in our health, and financially. You are not more humble if you are poor. Actually, you can be more generous if you are blessed because you can't give what you don't have. Okay, so I'm digging in. I I introduced the topic. These are just things that I've been thinking about and revelations that I've had this last year. And so ladies, let's dig in. Kristen, you are like, this is totally, (laughs) she's going to say this for me to keep my mouth shut. She's going to say this isn't her wheelhouse, but um, a, a lot of us have amazing things to say, but she definitely has a heart for building generational wealth. So I would just love to know, Kristen, like, what are your thoughts on this? The first thing that comes to mind is over the years, I've learned that um, building wealth and and creating more wealth in your families doesn't make you bad. It exposes who you really were to begin with. Mm -hmm. And so if you were good in your foundation, it's going to amplify those blessings and that goodness and just make it so that you can bless more. Um, So it actually doesn't change you. It just exposes you, if you will. So you got to be right to begin with. And um, so that comes to mind. And then the other thing that comes to mind is just you hear so much like money is the root of all evil. And that's not actually what the Bible says. That's not actually, it's the love of money. So you're not meant to idolize money or to, um, you know, to, to make it the center of your universe. That's God's job to be that. Mm. Um, But it's a tool to amplify your goodness such that you can go out and bless the world. Yeah. I love that. And just coming from like a ministry background that actually, um, what you said about like the love of money and all of that, like that was a huge blockage for me personally. And I remember meeting with a business coach and I said, I don't want to have my own business. I don't even want to like be open to more money. Like I thought, I really thought the only, the the most money I could possibly make in my life was $40,000 a year. That's, that was like truly what I thought. And she said, that's what she said. Money is a tool. It's one of the best ways that you can transform the world outside of obviously someone coming to Christ. And then she said that money just makes you more of who you already are. And so if you, you know, are a believer who loves the Lord, wants to bless people, then yes, let's take the money out of the wicked and put it in the hands of the righteous so that we can like build God's kingdom. Come on. Come on. Okay. I have to take it back to the garden for a moment. Okay. (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) Take it away, Jess. And I love everything you two just said. And in Genesis one, the beginning, the opening chapter of our favorite book, verse 28, God blessed them. And then God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. He blessed them first so that they could be fruitful and multiply. He set that in motion. And Kristen, when she said money only amplifies, or what'd you say, like makes you more of who you are. I think we naturally are fruitful, multiply. If you walk into a room and you have a bad attitude, you naturally kind of multiply that bad attitude, right? And that bad, you shift the environment. 
you you're naturally fruitful we're naturally as human beings we're naturally multipliers that's how god made us at the beginning but we are to to be fruitful multiply from a place of intimacy with the lord connection with god from a place of blessing huge theme in genesis you are blessed to be a blessing and uh, melissa thank you for opening up with builder because Typically, previously, I have thought of that word to be a very masculine word. My husband, he's a builder, literally. He's a woodworker, a homemaker, like he's building a a home in our backyard. (laughs) And I watch him work and I watch him build. And I always say, babe, you're such a manly man. (laughs) I love it. And yet the word that God used for the creation of woman, when God created a woman in Genesis 2.22, it is he built a woman. The Hebrew word there is bana. God built a woman. So women, we are literally built to build. So there's mm. theological truth there, granted in the very beginning, that we are blessed to therefore be fruitful and multiply from a place of truth, goodness, and beauty with the Lord. And we are built to build. So I yeah. love that. Drop that there. I geek out over that. I love that. Well, I think there's a a layer connected to the fruitfulness, which is an area that a lot of people as Christians, like they want, right? Like that's something that we're always like, let's look at the fruit on their lives. And I want more fruit and fruit connected to wealth. A lot of people don't really parallel often because they're just thinking of fruitfulness as resources. If they're coming out of that secular mentality of like, oh, they're, they have a lot of money and therefore they have good fruit. And that's not always the same. And I believe while everyone has the ability to have finances and finances abundantly, it has a precursor of consistent faithfulness before fruit, faithfulness and favor, right? And friction that is you're willing to go through the fire to produce fruit. And so I think about a lot uh, associated to where I'm at right now in the word, I'm, I'm doing the Bible in a year for the first time, um, is James um, 5. And it talks a lot about um, the opposite end of that. And without the patience connected to fruitfulness, we can't go out and expect the harvest to be there, right? There's so much that a farmer has to do before the fruit ever comes. And a lot of that is conversation around stewardship and the building that goes in before like you said Jess your hubby's building this thing you're not gonna like tomorrow walk into this luxuriously painted um you know perfectly placed uh decored space it's gonna be something that you build together and so really when I think about fruit and my desire for fruit even connected to peace joy you know kindness that is something that comes based on faithfulness and I cannot get to those things I can't even be a good steward of said funds of the richest daddy like we all have the richest daddy we all come from the same thing but I have to know how he stewards that wealth before I can then be entrusted and so I really am in that space of like seeking his faithfulness and seeking how do I steward how did Jesus steward how did the disciples steward there were some disciples who were really wealthy and there were some disciples who had no nickels to rub together. And so it's not a either or, it's a both and, and the Lord is inviting us into faithfulness so that favor and fruit follow. That's so good, Tamara. I think the thing that um, comes to mind, I think is we get wrapped around money rather than the value. And Mm, that's it's value that 
money can offer to our life. Um, but when we talk about creating generational wealth for, and biblically it says to, you know, for your children's children, that doesn't have to mean money. Um, it's the value of things as well. And so if God wants to bless you with a lot of money, the, the value of money, because that's what he is required for you to do the things God's called you to do on this earth, then that's what it is. But if your calling doesn't require that, then the world has put a standard on you that God never did. And so when we really talk about wealth and um, and value, I think the first step, and it goes does go back to the Genesis, um, what Jess said about the beginning, and we're called to be a blessing. We, we are blessed to be a blessing. So it isn't that he gave stuff. He first blessed us so that we could go bless. And, and if you think about it, if you really get into the weeds about, about the garden, it was Adam and Eve and he had gold, like gold is valuable to God. It is. I mean, we won't get a whole thing about how we should be on the gold currency, right. As the standard, um, <laughs> that's a different story for a different day, but the fact is that God did value gold and it was in there when, what, what was, were Adam and Eve going to, going to barter and exchange gold? Yeah. Like they're the only two people that were in the garden. So it wasn't used and it wasn't, um, wasn't so that they can exchange, you know, Hey, you buy this loaf of bread and I'll give you gold. So you really have to look at like, at what the Lord really says about value of the things in your life. And, um, and because of that, it actually goes back to who you're called to bless, right? It's all about people. It's all about relationships. It's all about who am I called to serve and who is supposed to be blessed. And so I'm going to be blessed and the living waters flow through me so that that person can be blessed. And if that requires money, if that requires resources, if that requires, you know, for me to own X, Y, Z, to be able to do that, then you'll be able to see really what, what value God has given to you to be able to serve the people you're called to serve. And so I think um, the one thing though, that is very healthy is the value exchange. And, um, and I think that if we were to use money or not money, um, just relationships, being there for one another, God wants a constant, a balance of value exchange. God is, if he takes something from us, he's going to give more. He's a multiplier. So as relational, we're supposed to bless to be a blessing. And it's, and it's an exchange of value to one another. And, um, if we don't get that value back, like if I bless somebody, um, then they go and bless someone, right? And then it's that multiplication effect. If that's money, right? We might give someone a million dollars because God told us to, and we may never get that back from those people, but God has something else coming our way or it's or maybe in heaven, maybe it's too big where it can't be given to us while we're here. Uh, but I think the real, the the scarcity mindset and the lack, right? goes back to the beginning too. The first lie that we ever believed was, was lack. We, we had from the moment that Apple, we, she, the enemy was able to put in her mind that, that there was a lack, like you can eat all, you could touch all the trees of the, of the garden, but this one changed his mind to be about lacking something. And so that's what you still see now is if you're lacking the finances, you're lacking and you were always hyper-focused and because we're flesh and because we live in a fallen world, we have, we constantly are have reaching for those things that we lack and we have to make a conscious effort and allow the Holy spirit to work on us to be like, no, 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 show me what I'm abundant in. Show me what it is that I have and that you value God. And so I just think that it's a lot about value rather than the money or, or the things, you know, the resources and stuff. So, um, yes. yeah. 
Natalie, so good. so good. I was going to say too, like what you're talking about, the value and how it funds the mission that I Come think on. has been like such a mindset shift for me because even when we were like in more of like the church setting, I didn't think about money. I know it sounds weird, but I was like, I just want to tell people about Jesus. And I did not have a problem. Like me and my husband, I guess we just don't, you know, we just don't need a lot, but we just, that was like, it wasn't really on my mind until I became an entrepreneur and God started speaking to me about, he is literally a provider. And so we are made in his image. And so if he is our provider and that's literally who he is, then we should also be provision to people. And I love this book by Sean Boltz. It's called Provision. <clears throat> and it's Prayers and Prophecies. And he says it so well in this book. He says, um, when God gives us a purpose or relationship or connection to someone, he has built in the ability to create the resource so that it can come into his full plan. In other words, provision is never the vision or the goal of God. It is the resource to walk out his heart mm. and bring about everything you would need to reach and develop yourself, the family and the people that God has called you to. It is like provision isn't the destination. It's it's just the resource to fund the plan and purpose that he has for you. So Natalie, to your point, I think that's so good. Like whatever provision you've been given, whether it's abundant kindness, you know, how is God going to like, let that overflow so you can spread that more same with finances, you know? Yeah. And, um, I just, it's really changed my mindset. I'm like, wow, what's the purpose? Cause money, if it's a tool, what's the purpose? And so yeah. fund the mission. You guys, I have a, a quick little story that leads into a practical question I have for our girl, Kristen. Ooh. And uh, one one morning I woke up and this is after I was just getting back from bed rest and get, gaining my health again. I had a neck injury in 2019, just getting back into doing makeup very carefully and and diligently. And I woke up and I asked myself a couple questions upon waking and I said, okay, Lord, not just what do I need to do today, but Lord, who do I need to be today? And Lord, um, who are you for me today? Something like that. And the word Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, I'm your provider. I'm your provider. I'm like, wow, beautiful. Yes, Lord. Thank you. I get to go work today. I'm going to be careful. Thank you, Lord, for, for providing. So that morning I'm like hyped up. Lord is my provider. I get to my car and it had gotten broken into and there was glass everywhere. Well, we hid, my husband left early. He tucked away my heavy makeup kit in the back with the towel over it because I couldn't lift anything at the time. Like $3,000 worth of makeup was stolen. And I about to worry as you would in the human response, but I am your provider. I am your Jehovah Jireh. I'm your provider. I'm like, okay, Lord, you're going to provide, but we dipped into our savings for all my health issues and I don't have money to replace this and I need to get to work. Oh my gosh. I am your provider. I'm your provider. Well, he provided, I didn't have the resource of money to go put all of that content back into my makeup kit that was stolen, but he gave me an idea and I put it out there on, on the interwebs. And I said, this is what happened. I would love to do a, a two hour makeup class, an online makeup tutorial 
donation, donate anything from $1 or more, and it gets you a ticket into the class. And I'm thinking, maybe I can get a couple hundred dollars, you know, or or something to start to put money back into what was stolen, taken from me. And uh, I can't believe it, but people donated like $2,500. And it was exactly just, I said $3,000 worth of, of stuff was taken. And it was but 2,500 came in for a free makeup tutorial that I said, donate $1 or more. I am the provider. I am your provider. And so if we ourselves aren't connected to that resource, we're connected to other people who are connected to the resources. We're connected to the Lord who is infinite. His resources never, ever, ever, ever run dry. And so Kristen, my, my question to you is how do we take all of this in a practical way, how do we move into this space of what Melissa and Natalie, everybody was saying, leaving that poverty mindset behind, walking into the abundance of living with God that we're blessed to be a blessing. How can we be connected in a way that we never blame lack of resources for our lack of obedience ever again? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that number one, going back to the idea of value, the more value you add to people, the more money will show up. So to me, that's a, that's a testament to the value that you are adding to people. People thought you were worth paying for. So whatever it is that you're, that you're selling, whatever it is, that's your product, like the higher value you can offer, the more that people will, will come out and, and, compensate you for that. So number one, just wherever you're at, making sure you're constantly leveling up at your skill set so that you can offer the the highest value for the knowledge that you have. Um, I watched a video yesterday, uh, a industry leader in my world was talking about, there's all these things you can do. And we often go super wide and trying to offer 27 different products or ideas. But really, truthfully, if you go deep and become an expert on a thing and you provide that high value deep, you will you will generate more revenue going deep than you will going wide. And so that's a thought because I feel like we get so scattered and so busy and we watch other people and we try to be like them or compare ourselves to them. And like, we have a gift that is our gift. We don't need to be them. Um, so number one, increasing your value by constantly educating yourself on whatever your niche is so that you can go deeper for people. Um, also, I think like, mindset wise, remembering that, yes, God will always provide for you. And he still expects you to show up. Like, it's not just going to rain money on you, right? Come on. Wait, say that again. (laughs) Say that again for the people in the back. (laughs) It just, it it cracks me up because we can come from this. Oh, no, y'all. always provide, but you still have to get in and get your hands dirty. And so, um, so, I mean, I just think back to sacrifice and like doing the things that other people won't do to have the things that other people don't have. Like my husband and I, when I went on this journey to learn about money, I said, I'm going to go super deep on that topic. Because to me, if I have abundance of finances, I can be a blessing to lots of people. And so I'm going to go deep on learning this thing. And quite honestly, I have so many hours of that, that like, there's a lot of things I don't know about a lot of things. Cause I didn't spend my time on that. Right. Um, but like, I recognized that it was a tool. And if I could learn um, how to be a good steward of it, that it would always show up. And to your point with relationships, 
I think one of the biggest ahas for me over the years is it actually doesn't have anything to do with how much money I already have. People have that uh, that misconception in their head too, is that you have to have money to make money, right? You hear that all the time. And the truth is you have to show up. You have to be dependable. You have to be somebody that somebody trusts. And I promise there's people around you with money that are like, here you go, you go take mine and multiply it. Um, so I think it all comes down to like working on yourself and your core and, and knowing when you have lots of this tool, what is your intention to do with it? Because God will give you more when he knows he can trust you with it. That's so good, Kristen. And I love how it's like, you need to be a person very much with, with what Tamara was saying as well, being a faithful person, a dependable person, a reliable person, you know, a trustworthy person. Um, my question to you as well, like there's, especially in like the Christian world, you know, we got Dave Ramsey on one end. Let's just get real practical. We got Dave Ramsey on one end. That's like envelope system, save your money, live below your means, you know, put, get yourself on a budget, which is awesome. But then, you know, there's some people out there that talk about things like infinite banking, holistic life insurance, even people listening to this, like full transparency guys. And we all met in Arizona. These were all things like, I don't know. I will say for myself, the one thing I really want to grow in this year is being more financially literate. But Kristen, for someone like myself, that somebody may be listening, that's like, yeah, you know, I just don't really know a lot about how to steward my money. Like, do I save it? Do I invest it? What are like some very like ABC practical things that people could do if they're starting out and maybe some good resources to get. Yeah. Um, actually, I love that you bring up Dave Ramsey. I'm going to pull a card that I <laughs> shared at FounderCon out of my wallet so that, oh, you know what? I don't know if I have it in here or not. Oh, yes, I do. Um, so the thing that we have to recognize is not one person knows everything. Not one person comes from where you're standing. And so it's super important for you to be the student of wealth, for you to be the student of money, because um, I love Dave Ramsey. I'm a Dave Ramsey ELP. I preach that stuff to people because in, in like, quite honestly, it applies to most people. First, we have to learn how to manage our own money before we can um, use other people's money. So neither one are wrong. Like there, I, when I first went on this journey of learning about wealth and finance, um, I jumped right into the rich dad, poor dad. I, it's a great, you know, great book, great tools. And I walked into this class and I'm like, wait a second this can't be the whole story because I, people in here are going to go to jail if they don't. And I, it it was because in all of these teachings, you're only hearing a part of it. You're not hearing the beginning of the story. You're not hearing what they came from or where it started. And so number one, understanding you've got to begin the journey from where you're at. And that might not be the same as somebody else. So the Dave Ramsey uh, journey and the Dave Ramsey teachings are fantastic for people who need to start with learning how to save money, learning how to manage money. Like that's how you gain um, additional money that you can put aside to start investing. And once you've gotten to where you're good at managing your money and you understand how to do so and, and you're being responsible with it, then you can go learn how to multiply your money, leveraging money, which is what Dave doesn't say, you know, like that's because for most people that doesn't apply to them yet. So the Dave Ramsey 
mission and the Dave Ramsey teachings are fantastic and they're applicable to most people. The majority of the United States is in debt. There's over a trillion dollars in credit card debt, like people mismanage their money. So for most people, that's a really great place to start. He makes them angry all the time because the man has no filter and he will tell you what he thinks. And I think that's fantastic. Um, and there's nothing wrong with leveraging mortgages and leveraging different things in order for you to build wealth once you understand how to manage money and you you have some experience and you don't just jump into that end. You know what I mean? So I think to answer your question, neither one of them are wrong. None of it's wrong. It's understanding you, understanding your goals, understanding where you're starting and kind of what's next. I put out this card. Um, oh, I don't know if you can see it, but at the FounderCon. And I thought, you know, if I was going to tell, if I was going to share 10 ways and 10 things for people to think about um, to kind of get them on that path of money, the very first one was become a student of wealth, become a student of the tax law and the economy. Like you have to first wrap your head around what is money? Why was it even created? And to your point, it's a tool. It's for an exchange of goods and value. And so you, we had talked a little bit about um, some tax saving strategies and things like that. And there is a fantastic book. I always plug this book, um, Tax-Free Wealth. Oh, it's so good. If you're an entrepreneur and you are wondering how to, because tax law was created to help money flow through the economy in a way that, that, um, that supported, you know, the, the goals of the government, right? Like how do we provide housing, which is why buying real estate is, is often, um, incentive incentivized because like, if you can make money flow the way that they want things to flow, then they give you incentives. Right. So this whole book is like, it talks about how to employ your family, just all kinds of different things. And oftentimes we see really wealthy people who pay no taxes it's because they know the tax laws and they filter their money through the economy the way they're supposed to. So the very number one thing was like, become a student of money. If it's your goal to understand it and to build it such that you can use it as a tool to bless others, you've got to start with that. Um, I don't even want to go through all 10 of them because I feel like I've rambled. No, I kind of want to hear all 10. Four, of my, <laughs> four moments where my mind's been blown just in what you just said. I'm like, oh my gosh. I you got nine more. Well, why didn't I think of this? <laughs> well, kind of before you go, I want you to read them. I think yes. that I, um, to step one though, the thing that kept jumping out when you were talking, Kristen, and it's, and I'm just going to say from my personal experience, being an entrepreneur, owning multiple businesses is uh, when I started them, um, I'll be honest and say, I had a scarcity mindset and you don't, and what you said is when you start to do a lot more and you start to go call calls you higher, whatever you have or whatever you are is going to be exposed. Right. And the scarcity mindset that um, was really exposed with, with business, not meaning I made any bad decisions or did anything wrong, but just how I valued certain things and my mental capacity for it and where my heart was. Right. So it wasn't even idolization. It's more of a scarcity is a lack is like, you know, and, and the world expects you to think that certain way so that the enemy can keep us down. Right. Um, and so maybe this is why for you, Melissa, especially like you're feeling like called more because of your entrepreneurship journey. I'm going to tell you, I don't know anybody that's become a business owner, entrepreneur over the years where they don't say at some point they are, they're met with this because 
you, it will be exposed and not in a negative way. I don't want to say exposed, like uh, in a good way that God wants to reveal the place that, that he wants to heal or break you from. Um, and so I will say this, and the reason why I wrote this down um, to your point, Kristen, with like, be a student of wealth. Some people don't even want to learn because there's emotional ties that it's some down the other line, generational bondage that maybe your parents didn't do well with money or whatever the case is. And not even in anything that really is like, traumatic, I should say, but what God wants to show you and sometimes our own personal finances, there's emotional ties to that when you're buying something, groceries, your kids clothes, it's an emotional tie while kind of a little bit with your business, even though it's personal, because you've created it and you blood, sweat and tears in it, you start to see the exchange of the value of like, okay, I have this much expenses and I have this much income and I got to balance my PL reports. Like it just becomes very much of you becoming a student of money and managing your books, managing how the flow is in the process happens within your business. And you kind of stop looking at emotionally and just start looking at practically. And so when you're thinking about your own personal finances, that the one thing that is still there is really the emotional tie to it. And that's like the scarcity. And so I very much like am grateful for the for my entrepreneurial journey, for the fact that I value things differently and look at them. And even now, like back to the emotional ties to my family and like, I want to, I'm not going to, you know, skimp on taking my family on a vacation because that matters. That value of spending time with my family, what matters way more than the money that I would spend to do it. Right. And so it kind of works backward and God kind of brings it all through. So I love Kristen that you said that. I just wanted to add that in there because the student being a student and God calls us to all the time, the Bible says, right. Like, and and I think that when you kind of get over, and I don't want to say it like, but you kind of get over yourself and you realize like, oh man, and you really be kind of like, oh, I'm not really mm, there. And there, this is a little pain point, but you allow God to kind of reveal it to you. Then you will not, you'll be obsessive of wanting to know like that. And, it, and not in a negative way, in a really abundant multiplication way, God wants us to get all the knowledge and he wants to give us everything so that we have a clear, remember, he's not a God of confusion. He wants to give, give us clear insights. And if that's the tax codes, if that's that's, you know, the things that we need to know to navigate the world, he's like, let's go. But we have to first start with our heart posture. And I think sometimes our personal finances um, gives that emotional tie to it in businesses and everything that Kristen's talking about. You kind of stop looking at it like that and you start looking at it practically. Um, so I love, I love the student. I think that I've become a student the last four years that it could like go beyond. Like, I mean, it makes up for the whole, my whole life that I wasn't. <laughs> You have to have metrics too, in order to measure. And when you become a student of anything, right, you have to have measure, you have to have measure of progress. And so um, the living below your means, well, you have to know what your, what is, what does it cost you to live, right? You got to start with the metrics. And the reason that you have to learn to remove your emotions is because when your emotions are tied to things, you'll make decisions that you wouldn't have made otherwise. You wouldn't have made these decisions off metrics, which is why when you walk into a car dealership, they're betting on getting you to sign the contract while you're emotionally excited about it because you will sign, you will buy. It is always better to go home and sleep on it if you really can do it and you look at the metrics and it makes sense, then go back. It's not going to be gone. There'll be another opportunity, but we get so emotionally tied to, oh, I might miss the opportunity that we sales is built on capitalizing on people's emotions. You have to take the emotions out of financial decisions. And I just, 
I'm thinking of so many scenarios in my life that I've been at play when it comes to finances. I remember um, as an entrepreneur myself, we went in when we were about 28, 27, 28 as how old I was. My husband was about 30. And because we were both entrepreneurs and we had, I had only dabbled in the corporate arena for a very short stint, 18 months is the longest I've ever been like employed um, by someone that was not an entrepreneur. Um, and or myself, and we don't have 401ks, right? And so I'd had this very short stint where I had a 401k and we went in, we talked to our advisor and we're like, so we wanna know what does everybody else have right now who have gone to get a job right out of co after college? How much money do they have saved up? And what is their plan moving forward? Because we wanna match it and make more. And so we wanted to secure that at that moment and the, the the financial planner is a friend of ours and he's like, you guys are crazy. Like you guys are unlike anyone else. And so when we're speaking to this and knowing the difference between the Dave Ramsey and the other wing, um, and I'm not sure exactly if there's somebody who is, is solely the opposite. I'd love to know who that person is um, that's educating, is to know that we are all uniquely and wonderfully made and our risk aversion to that and what where we feel safe versus where we don't feel safe versus is understanding God as Jehovah Jireh, that language and that definition is going to be curated differently per person based on our willingness to step out sometimes in faith. And sometimes it's not about faith. It's have you listened to God on this next step? Um, so I just want to like kind of free some people who are like, man, like I want to go all in and I want to just like invest everything I have and, and make this work. It's like, that's not necessarily the language of stewardship for you. So don't follow what other people have done. Don't necessarily follow their blueprint, literally pray about it. So I'm reading Andrew F. Carter, who you guys know, I'm reading his The Privilege of Prayer. And it made me think about this as we're talking this morning was this, this two, this duality of, are you going to God in a crisis prayer or similar to the faithfulness, similar to what I said about stewardship, are you consistently at your feet, on your face, at his feet, on your face about provision. And what does that look like? Because I think if we go to, like Jessica did, first off, her faithfulness allowed God to speak into her before that crisis happened. Imagine if she was just like, oh God, I need this thing right now. And he's like, well, daughter, you weren't very effective in that relationship. And now you need me. If you imagine if you did that to your friends, or if you did that to your spouse, and you only came to them in that space of need, like God's going to be there because that's who God is. And yet at the same time, what if you had forethought over your finances? And so we had forethought going into that conversation with him to say, hey, we know where we are. We know what God has asked of us. And we're still willing to do it obediently. But we also want to know what is everybody else doing from a cultural lens? from a safety lens, from a tax evasion or a tax uh, uh, connected lens. And so I really am passionate about this conversation. And I think as we're processing it for there not to be any element of condemnation based on where you come in this space or ranking of like wealth knowledge, but more so just know that you can start today. And one of those ways that you can start today is just like pray about it. Literally just get with the Lord and be like, God, where are the gaps in my faithfulness connected to the way in which I steward my finances. God, I want to learn about you being Jehovah Jireh in an entirely new way. What does that mean for my life? Maybe it's him asking you to tithe higher. 
than you've ever tithed before. Maybe mm -hmm. it's a conversation about real estate and you're feeling that desire to get into real estate. But like, I love Kristen's storyline that she shared with us personally. Like, I don't have the mon money to do that. And yet someone is willing to hand that over to you. And so I believe it's opening our eyes to the resources of heaven that are at our, are literally at our prayer request, not anything else. It's just opening our eyes to what God and who God has already positioned us in our corner to be a steward of wealth. So good. That's so good, Tamara. Go ahead, Kristen. I was thinking about the question this morning when we were talking on chat, just about, you know, we went back to the infinite banking system and, you know, what do you think about this? And as you guys know, like my specialty and what I learned and what I've spent years, you know, mastering and, and trying to get great at is the real estate world. And I do believe that diversification is important. And I thought to myself, like, why did I go down that path? And the truth is, is that in a world full of so much information and so much noise, I think you have to go back to who have I seen walk it out? And I would go to mentors. I would go to friends. I would go to wise old friends and family. And when I would do that over and over again, I would ask them, how'd you do what you did? How'd you get here? And I was always coming from curiosity, asking questions. And over and over again, regardless of what line of work they were in, they would continually tell me that they built their wealth in real estate. And so naturally I'm like, you know what, that keeps coming up. I'm going to go study that and I'm going to go learn more. So I think as we study, like there, there's always going to be trends that are going on in, in the space. And the truth is like, go, go interview the people that you see that have done well in that space and ask them, where did this come from? Because it might not be what it seems. I have a, um, an uncle that, uh, has generated a great amount of wealth and, and he put a bunch of money in Tesla, bought a bunch of, you know, generated a bunch of wealth in that stock. And, and he flew for Delta and like my whole life, I looked at him and I was like, wow, how does he do what he does? He's got this gorgeous condo that overlooks the space needle, blah, blah, blah. And you know what he said? Your grandma taught me to do it with real estate. Like nothing that I <laughs> would imagine because I thought he was making money in his space, doing his thing. What I saw was not actually where it was coming from. So as I went down this journey to learn how am I going to build wealth, because everybody does it different and there's not a right way. There's a million ways to do it. Um, what I started with was just who do I see around me doing it well? And let me interview them and see how they did it. And what I found was a common theme. So I said, I'm going to go learn that. Um, the banking thing is really interesting to me. I fully believe in an, in an, in having a family banking system. What I'm studying and learning right now is what is the vehicle or the asset that I use to create that banking system? Cause it's very clear to me that banks make a ton of money. And I mean, if I look at what I pay on a house mortgage and interest, I'm like, whoa, I want to keep that money. Right. So I want to create a family banking system. No, no doubt. I just need to, and, and what I'm journeying through is what asset is going to have the best tax benefits, grow, grow in a way that compounds, um, has the least amount of risk. Like, what are the questions that I'm asking around this? And I'm not going to go put in money that I can't afford to lose, whether it's real estate, whether it's whole life policies, whatever it is that you're investing in, don't ever put so much that it's going to put your family in danger if you lost it. Um, but it's a journey of educating yourself and just going back mm -hmm. to being a student of, you know, what am I going to study? Yeah. Kristen, I love that 
number one, be a student of wealth. And what's coming up for me is people might be saying, oh my gosh, Kristen is so well-versed. She spent what decades learning about this. This is her one thing, but that's not my one thing. So it could be intimidating, but you, what's coming up for me too, is every student has a teacher. Who is your teacher? I'm reminded of in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so the invitation here isn't to devote all the hours and all the years like Kristen did into wealth, but the invitation is be a student of this for yourself, having that radical responsibility. Okay, this is where I'm at. Up until now, I haven't been X, Y, and Z, but from here forward, this is my goal. This is my desire. And then as a student, connect with the right teacher, connect with the right mentor. Like I want, well, all of us in the room, like Kristen, you are one of our mentors in this area, you know? And so this idea of every student has a teacher, who are you learning from? What are you currently studying? And I'm reminded that Rabbi Jesus is our master mentor. He is our master teacher. And are we following him? Are we being disciples of him? Are we staying in rabbinic tradition so close to the rabbi that the dust of his slippers is getting all over us? You know, are we staying that close to Jesus? Do we have mentors in this area as we are growing in the area of of studying wealth. What does it mean to be blessed so that I can bless? One quote I'd love to, to share, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, just keeps coming to mind and shout out to dear friends of mine, Dan and Sandy Ewan. They were the first uh, very uh, wealthy hearted Christians who were living this abundant life, going into all the nations and and being fruitful, multiplying and discipling and teaching. They, when I, when I connected with them, I'm like, they're my people. And one thing that they always said was, you know, at the beginning of our journey with the Lord and becoming students of wealth ourselves, we realized I don't want to have to make decisions based on my pocketbook. I want to make decisions based on my heart and my God-given dreams and my God-given desires. And that's where I'm at too. I'm like, I have so many dreams. Am I going to shrink my dreams to match my pocketbook or, you know, bank account? Or am I going to connect with right people, become a student, get a mentor, get a coach, stay close to my rabbi Jesus and, and expand, multiply my bank account so it can match my dreams. Why pick that one? So good. Let's go. That's so good. That's so good, Jess. That, that is, I love that because it's a tool. It goes back to, it's a tool. And in order for you to multiply it and use it and build abundant, like you can't build a house if you lack the funding to build the house, right? So you have to go. I think it's a responsibility for you to go build wealth such that you can bless others. Um, And, and to your point with, there's every, there's a million teachers out there. Right. And I think that's the scary part is like, who do we follow? Who do we listen to? And I think, um, what I can say from my experience is there's a lot of people out there telling you how to do it the way they've done. Number one, you have to ask yourself, are they making money off of telling me this? That's a number one question, because if they are go find somebody else who's done well with it. And that is not selling it and see if what they're saying is honest. A lot of times you find people that are selling a product and they need you to opt in so that, so they're going to tell you whatever you want to hear. 
Um, secondly, is looking at the core values of the human and the teacher and the mentor. At the end of the day, do your core values match their core values? Because if yes, then you can probably, you know, they're just a few steps ahead of you and you can just, you know, follow, learn. And But when I have opted in to learn from people with core values that are in conflict of mine, um, it doesn't work. It, I can't build, I can't follow them. I can't do what they're doing because it's an internal conflict. So you have to find your mentors and your teachers from that space. Um, and I think that that's a really good place to start just even with those, you know, two simple things is who are you learning from? Are they making money off of it? And if yes, and not that they can't make money, like um, in the whole life insurance world, they make great money. Real estate agents make great money. So there's nothing wrong with making good money. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to be in a space where you are paid well for the value you offer. And I also, if you're opting into one of these spaces or just ask yourself, where else can I find information to validate what this person is saying? Because this person is making a paycheck off of me, if that makes sense. Um, well, and I think there's a guise to that too, right? Which is like, do your research on the other side of that. Like you're literally giving people that understanding of in order to say yes to this particular person, do the research, find the reviews, get the testimonials from those people if they are doing it from a pay to place perspective. But I, I've, I've been guilty of this as a coach where I was looking to the coach who I thought was doing this thing that I thought I wanted. And they were presenting this whole like facade of life. And it was a lie when you got behind the scenes of what they were doing. And so you have to be really careful and have that wisdom. And I knew it, like I, I didn't understand discernment at that time to be able to understand the gut check or the curiosity pains or what was actually happening internally. And so this is, again, it goes back to that faithfulness. The closer you are to Jesus, the more he's going to be able to guide your steps in this. And he wants you to be knowledgeable in this arena. And it's not because of what Melissa said in the forefront of prosperity. It's about expanding his kingdom. And that's our stewardship of saying, yes, I show up today and I'm not going to be back in this place of trauma or back in this soul tie of, of lack because of something that's happened before I even knew since Eve. <laughs> so this has been a full circle conversation and I a hundred percent know that we can keep going and going and going, but I want first off, cause we've alluded to it so many times. I want you guys to have access to this, these 10 steps that Kristen is, is referring to and um, we'll put them in the show notes so that you guys can reference them there as well. Um, but this has been so pun intended, rich. <laughs> Kristen, oh let's hear. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're such a goof. Okay. So number 10 was become as, or I mean, number one was become a student of wealth, the tax law and the economy. Like you have to understand the foundation of it before you can build on it. Number two, be in the top 10% of a high paying profession. It's hard to get ahead if you cannot, like if, if your cost of living um, exceeds what you're bringing in. So like be in the top percentage of what you do, be go deep, like we said, and be an expert in that field such that you are compensated well for your knowledge. So be in the top 10% of a high paying profession. Number three, live below your means and minimize your debt. 
Why? So that we can have excess, so that we can have excess to go multiply. If you're spending it all as soon as you get it, you have nothing to go multiply. Number four, prioritize your time, money, and energy. Like time is the only thing that you can't get back. So making sure that you make the time to study, that you make the time to build relationships with these mentors, that you have the energy and that you're attracting it instead of, I see a lot of people that literally repel um good energy and and opportunity because they're just in that lack mindset. So you have to prioritize that and and attract it. Um number 5, add value, be present in the lives of important relationships. I see so many people try to jump into the lives of these mentors and like they haven't spent the time, planted the seeds, truly caring about these people such that they can be trusted when somebody gives them money, when somebody gives them opportunity. You don't just walk into somebody's life and and expect them to hand you over the keys to the kingdom and you can multiply. Like it's about proving that you are a person worthy of stewarding whatever it ha- they have that they can that they can give you as a tool. Um, Number six, know your net worth, like back to metrics. You have to know what do you have? Um, I was mind blown the first time my mentor said, go, go, here's a net worth tracker. Go put it on the, on the, um, go put your numbers on the tracker. And I thought, oh gosh, I don't even want to know. And then I got in there and I was like, wow, look what we've done. And then I had other friends that got in there and they're like, Ooh, mine's negative. It doesn't matter what it is. It matters that you know where you're starting from so that you can see improvement on it. Um, number seven, invest 20% of your income into real estate. I'm just a real estate person for so many reasons. There's, there's never going to be a lack of need for a house over families' heads. Like that's always going to be a thing. And it's a limited resource. There's never going to be a bigger earth. There's never going to be more land. And so to me, um, it's tangible. If I need to sell it, I can, there's a lot of ways you can make money in my experience. None of them have been as consistently fruitful as the tangible asset of real estate, um, both for tax and for income and for multiple reasons. But number eight, be physically and mentally strong. Like this is a hard game. Um, And to, I think Tamara, you were saying like, it's the long game. There's no get rich quick scheme. Like you have to put in the sweat, the tears. It's a, it's a long game that you have to play. And this is, Uh, you know, like Warren Buffett is an awesome, awesome example of somebody who's played the long game and didn't get caught in the emotions of how they can make money fast. Like, of course we want to make money fast. The reality is you don't keep it. If it came fast, it goes fast. Um, Number nine, be generous. The whole point of building wealth is so that you can bless people, multiply people, help them to shine their talents, to be the, the the hands and feet of God out on the streets. We go to these conferences and we hear often people who've put together great teams and they have a great love and a big mission. And what do they always say? I can't because I don't have the finances to do so. So like it is our responsibility to steward money well so that we can put those people into motion um, so that they can go bless. And then number 10, know your freedom number and reverse engineer a plan. We touched on that as well as like, you have to have a plan. You can't just go out there blindly and your freedom number is like, what, what excess do you have? Like, what do you actually have to make to live? Then where's your vacations and all those things that are important to you. And what is that number such that beyond that, you're in freedom because you guys alluded to it. Um, 
that wouldn't it be great if I didn't have to make decisions based on money? Freedom is when you can say, yep, I'm going to go do that for that family because I can, because I'm, because we're in a blessed place of abundance. And so that is like truly freedom is to not have to make your decisions based on money. Mm. So good. So good. That was so good, man. Fire. That, yeah. Like 10 sermons in a little piece of paper <laughs> right there. Yes. That might be one of the most valuable things, not <laughs> yeah. in your little in the little swag bags. Oh, yeah. I love you for that. Thank you. I, I saved it. Trust me. I saved all of them. I had a few, I have a few extra swag bags. Sorry. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> wow, be generous. Just in. be generous. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. will. I will. And they just they like, I don't know. They accumulated. They multiplied. I can't help it. <laughs> it well, we have loved this conversation. This has been so yeah. rich so rich, truly so rich. And uh, we are looking forward to having another amazing conversation next week. Check out the show notes and go follow Kristen and keep up with the show because we are here every week with Girls Gone Holy.